Law Focus Podcast. Law Focus on Volfan. 88.1 Point of Information. Good evening and welcome back to Law Focus right here on Vow FM 88.1. It's exactly one minute past seven. My name is Sab Mahapi and I'm going to be your host for this evening. It's going to be yet another hour of interesting and insightful radio tonight. And we thank you again for joining us this evening. If you're joining us for the very first time, thank you for taking a chance and uh, listening to us tonight. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And to our regular listeners, welcome back to yet another uh, insightful and informative episode of The Law Focus. Uh, so this show, what we try to do is to bring you the most relevant and interesting uh, legally related topics that we have. And every Tuesday, it's between 7 and 8 o'clock in the evening. And we go quite in depth into the legal topics by having conversations with guests. Often those guests would be experts or people with experience within that uh, that part of the law, even if they're not lawyers themselves. Uh, before we start the show, I wanted to highlight perhaps one of the more interesting things that happened this week, and that was the absolute egg on our face. We'll go back to it a bit later, but the absolute egg that has been left on the South African collective face uh, by the escape of the self-proclaimed prophet Shepherd Bushir and his wife Mary. Uh, he went so far as to make a few quite bold statements and demands on his social media account as if to negotiate with the republic's government and what's really appalling is that he's a fugitive and he's an accused criminal he hasn't been convicted of anything yet and uh, he would like to set up the terms on which he's going to return he escaped while on bail but we'll have to watch and follow we'll get back to that story a little bit later uh, but it is a very interesting one and one that is making south africans ask themselves all sorts of questions right we're going to be talking tonight about the decriminalization potentially of sex work it can be an emotive topic uh, because of the moral, legal, social, whatever implications. But let's unpack all of them and see how this can work, if it can work, why it should work, or why it shouldn't work. Uh, but if you want to join the conversation, you can call us now on 011-717-9881. You can also reach us on the various social media platforms where you can be part of the show and engage with us. We really like your engagement. So we're available on Twitter, and it's at VowFM, using the hashtag LawFocus. On Facebook, we are VowFM. And for podcasts, you can visit vits.journalism.co.za forward slash law or the Vits uh, Radio Academy page on Iona. We're also available on Spotify if that's your preferred method of listening. Now let's start with the first feature of the show, one of my favorite features of the show, and that's the legal hotspot. Let's have a, a look at the hottest legal stories of the week. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the of, the stories week. of the week, it's Legal Hotspots. Yeah, we come up here to Parktown just across the road, basically, and we're looking at the uh, state inquiry or the commission of inquiry sorry, into state capture. The Deputy Chief Justice uh, Raymond Zondo said he would deliver his much-awaited uh, judgment on whether he should recuse himself, uh, and he's only going to deliver that on Wednesday. This according to eyewitness use. Yesterday, the commission heard arguments from uh, the legal representative of the former president, Jacob Zuma, um, and the evidence inquirer, or sorry, the inquiry's evidence leader, who is advocate Paul Pistorius as well. What Zuma claimed was that there was insensitive, that Zonda was insensitive, and he and Zuma believed that Zonda had made up his mind about the former president and had cast aspersions on him, that he was unsympathetic as well. And uh, Zonda said he would consider the arguments overnight and was supposed to deliver his judgment today, uh, but uh, has rolled it over until tomorrow. So we're here tomorrow where the, the Deputy Chief Justice feels that he should recuse himself or not. Just as a point of interest, though, over 200 witnesses have testified the, the, in the state capture inquiry. It's been running for, I think, roughly two years now. It only has around six months left of its mandate, or even less, four months left in its mandate. Uh, and three of those months, I believe, are, are scheduled for actual drafting and not hearing of evidence. So this um, 
application by uh, the former president Jacob Zuma uh, could have very serious implications for the inquiry itself. It has the potential of collapsing the entire inquiry. I didn't personally hear anything which would make me believe that the recusal is, is justified. But hey, I'm only a member of the public. I don't know. Let's hear what happens tomorrow. Going back to um, Bushiri now and his uh, escape from the Republic. Now, he was granted bail, as we reported, I think it was last week or perhaps a little, uh, the week before that, granted bail under very strict conditions. Him and his wife had bail of, uh, I think, around 400,000 rand combined. Very strict conditions of reporting to the nearest police station um, every day. And they're meant to appear in court again on the 19th of uh, November, which is, I think, two days from now. Anyway, what has happened is that they have escaped at some time, at some point during the course of last week and miraculously emerged in um, Malawi. Uh, members of parliament today said they wanted to seek video footage uh, from the Vatikloff Air Force Base uh, and because they're looking for answers on how uh, Bushiri and his wife fled the country. They're charged with, that is now Bushiri and his wife, are charged with theft, money laundering and fraud. And this is in the amount of, in excess of 100,000 rand. Sorry, 100 million rand. Uh, They were granted bail last week, as I said before, but they left the country. This is despite the fact that Bushiri had five passports. Bushiri also had an an odd, irregular residency within the Republic, and he appeared. Nobody knows how he got there, which is a a crying shame. Um, Eyewitness uh, uh, Eyewitness News has reported that uh, the Minister of Home Affairs, Aaron Mutsualedi, he was facing questions in parliament about how Bushiri left the country undetected and he stated that um, no ports of entry or exit detected Bushiri's exit from the Republic. He also refuted claims that uh, uh, Bushiri fled on board Malawi, the Malawian president Lazarus Chikweras. Sorry, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. Chikwera's plane from Vatikluf. It seems as though MPs are not convinced by this. I don't know why they wouldn't be, but it seems that they're not convinced. And the committee chairperson, Bongani Bonga, has called for security footage to be looked at as part of the investigation. Montoledi told the committee's governing... Um, uh, the committee's <coughs> government security cluster that they're going to do an in-depth investigation and report back uh, to South Africa. You will recall that the state itself had, in fact, opposed bail on the basis um, that Bushiri, among other things, was a flight risk. Home Affairs also mentioned that he was a flight risk, owning five um, passports, having access to massive amounts of, of wealth. All sorts of things were alleged, but he was eventually granted bail, and the result is that he's now fled the Republic. Uh, I suppose Interpol will be involved soon, and on the 19th, I assume that the warrant of arrest will be issued against him. Yeah, it's very, very, very disheartening stuff to think about how many people have escaped justice in this country. But those are legal hotspots, our, our hottest legal stories of the week. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Just a reminder that this week is dedicated to um, p- people living with disabilities. Don't forget about that. And please... Please support the initiatives that are going on this week. Welcome back to Law Focus, all of you. Uh, Our frequency is 88.1, just so you can remember that. And you can also listen to us online by streaming us on vowfm.co.za. It's 10 past 7 o'clock now. And as I've already mentioned, tonight's topic, we're going to be discussing the criminalization or decriminalization of sex work. Prostitution in South Africa is illegal, and that's for both the buyer and the seller, uh, as well as, uh, um, you know, things like keeping a brothel, uh, pimping, and selling sex has been illegal in the country since the early 1900s. Now, buying of sex, interestingly, has only really been illegal uh, in the 21st century, Uh, but selling of sex has been illegal for well in excess of 100 years. Now, South African law also prohibits other aspects of sex work. Now, this would include owning a brothel, living off the earnings of prostitution, and enticing a person into prostitution. Naturally, the 
Criminalization of sex work has not deterred people from selling sex to make a living. And the criminalization of sex work has arguably made sex less safe. Sex work has existed uh, probably since the dawn of time and will continue in some fashion probably until mankind is no longer here. The question is whether we regulate it or we don't. We criminalize it or we decriminalize it. To get a little bit more insight on this question, we'll be speaking to Katleho Rasabete, and they're from Sesonke Gender Justice. And we'll be talking about why they believe that sex work should be decriminalized in South Africa. Good evening, Katleho. Welcome to Law Focus. Uh, good morning. Good evening, sir. Thanks for having me on your show. Excellent. Now, for, for those of us who don't know exactly what... Uh, what role Sasanke plays? Could you explain what it is you do? So I'm um, um, just for a point of correction. I'm from Sasanke, the National Sex Workers Movement, not Sasanke Gender Justice. Oh. So what we do is, as the movement in South Africa, we advocating for the rights of uh, people to do basic um, access to the basic like rights. You know, like the right to trade, the right to ownership, and we're not only advocating for that, we are making sure that if an adult is consenting, they, have the, they should be given the right to do anything they want with their body. Mm. Even if, if it means the person wants to do 1,000 tattoos on their bodies, if it's an adult, they're consenting, they must be given a right. We should, we should stop um, using state powers like the police, for example, state agents like the police, you know, to control people around their own bodies, which is what they're advocating for. And not only advocate for, we're specifically advocating for the law reform around sex work. Yeah. Meaning like since uh, up to the colonial era, since 1957, that's when uh, you find uh, sex work was first criminalized. Mm. And not only sex work was criminalized in 1957, also um, things like uh, the LGBTI people were criminalized you know, the, 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 the thing is also like uh, when a, a, a race, when a white man wants to marry a black woman or a black woman wants to marry a white man, those things were, were criminalized. And it, it goes as far as um, also controlling people's movements. But all of these above colonizers' uh, laws were mm. it's either legalized or were decriminalized, some of them. But sex work still remain outstanding because of... Um, I feel the state still feel like, you know, because of it's a dirty taboo and, you know, when you're black, you know, these are not some of the, 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 the conversations that black people want to engage into. Hmm. Now, but, 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 I understand that part of the, your, your organization's work is to advocate for sex work as human rights. Can you elaborate this for us? So when you look into the National Strategic Plan, which is a goal, goal five of the National Strategic Plan, it speaks around the human rights. Mm. So by allowing sex work to be decriminalized, it's also respecting people's choices. Remember, the Constitution also gives you a right to choose, a right to trade, a right also to, 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 to say, um, you know, to, for association, a right for other things that I can, you know, I can mention, which is the list of rights. Then what we do is we want people who are adults who enter the sex industry to be protected because right now the state doesn't protect them. For mm. example, not only sex workers, the, the, the seller is criminalized. Also, the buyer of sex is criminalized. Owning a brothel is criminalized. You're not benefiting from the sex money. You are being criminalized by the Sexual Offenses Act because you benefited from an act that is legal, uh, that is uh, uh, criminalized in the country. So all of the above people that I just mentioned, are also like, according to the Sexual Offences Act, are criminalized. For example, <clears throat> if you were to know a sex work and the police, let's say the hawks are investigating you, and you never mention to the hawks that this particular individual does sex work, you will be arrested because we are carrying information that the state needs. Mm. 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 And mm. by decriminalizing sex work, sex workers were going to have the right to justice because we are all aware that According to the latest research that was done by Nakosam, the police are no longer harassing sex workers that much because of they are now being sensitized, being taken into 
workshop, they understand the, the difference between uh, prostitution and the sex work. There's a difference between the two? Prostitution and sex work. So if you look into the first uh, national strategic trend for sex workers nationally, mm. sex workers adopted the, to say one of the, the pillars that they would request is to be called by their profession. They, they start like the word prostitution. It's a very demeaning, biblical word, you know, that makes a person inferior. But mm. if you call sex workers by their profession, they are more, you know, in a space of their life, they can say, finally, South Africa. Remember, in the whole of Africa, we are the only country that has adopted the word sex work into the government document. Right. Ever since 2016, no other government document that speaks about the word prostitution. I understand that private sectors, like maybe, you know, your, 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 your vet, RSI, radio, you, you will, might be still using the word prostitution. Mm. But according to the NSG 2016, 2019, 2019 of the plan, the word prostitution doesn't even appear once into the document. Mm. And ever since 2016, no government, even in the agenda of any government institution that they want to discuss sex work, they write it as bold as it is, sex workers. So that's why we went as far as forming sectors that will sit within the eight council meetings because we felt like for us to end the eight, as the Universal Health Coverage said, by 2030, the whole world must end, HIV must end. By leaving sex workers behind into this discussion around HIV, STI, prevention, and all of that, and treatment, then we won't even reach the 1990-90 strategy that the world is all looking up to as a goal for, for 2030. Right. Okay. I I I I see. Well, it, it's 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 quite a de- an interesting development that the terminology has changed due to the um, you know negative connotations of of some of the words that we used. But w- one of the things, perhaps, I'd like to ask you about is when we talk about consenting. You know, um, do we have a great deal of that? Um, I've never gone to a school where um, anybody's put up their hand and you know, and they say, you know. You ask them what you want to be when you're a child, uh, when you're when you're when you're an adult, and they go, "Oh, I want to be a doctor, a teacher, uh, whatever the case may. I want to be a builder, a plumber, whatever." I've never come across anybody who says, "Well, I'd like to be a sex worker." Now, the reason that I say that is because yeah. the reason I ask that is because is it really something that people are consenting to, or is it something that they are forced into through through circumstances or through illegal activities such as human traffickers, and therefore there is that issue of, but is this thing really, or is sex work really consensual? Is it something that we should simply allow? That's one of the big questions. Yeah. So what now we need to do as the country is to approach Medleg. And the sex work is not registered globally as part of an employment or like people say, I, I, I do work as a sex worker. So we need to approach NetLeg so that sex work must be registered under occupational health therapy. Then we're moving forward as a country. Hmm. And therefore, I, I, I hear you when you mention issues around human trafficking, people being forced into the sex work. Hmm. Remember the definition of, of the South African context. I'm not, I'm not quoting globally. Hmm. South African con, con, uh, definition for sex work. Sex workers are adults who are consenting offering sexual services for a transition. Hmm. Meaning there must be an agreement between two adults who are engaged in the act. Mm, 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 mm. Now, given that we live really in a conservative, uh, relatively conservative country, uh, although our legal system might be progressive, many of our citizens are quite uh, conservative. Do you think uh, that the legal system will acknowledge and recognize or legitimize, decriminalize, let me put it like that, sex work? Um, remember, when, 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 when abortion was introducing the country, there was the who has that happening all over the country that, you know, like everybody was angry. Mm. And when the LGBTI also was introducing the country, most people are saying, oh my God, oh now, you know, we're going to run out of men. But we have clearly not even run out of men. There's still enough men for everybody in the country. <laughs> so sometimes people, they are, um, I'll tell you, they, they would fear the unknown. For the fact that sex has not been criminalized, we don't know like what is the fear around all of this that makes people to say, but if sex workers to be decriminalized, then there's going to be lots of human trafficking, there's going to be child trafficking, and all of these other negative um, energy that people are throwing into it. Mm. 
I, mm. I remember at some point I, I, I sat with the premium Houghton to say, Mr. Premier, Houghton is the motherland of the whole South Africa. It's the city of God. Can't you therefore in our Houghton um, uh, uh, eight, uh, eight council plans decriminalize it into Houghton as a pilot project, then review and monitor what will happen before we can uh, launch the whole nation, nation and decriminalization of such And this was from just the conversation that we are having. But I'm glad that organizations that coordinate all of this, like your, your South African National Aid Company, they support fully the conversation of sex work. Mm. You have seen politicians during the... I know we, we are going as the country into election sooner. You have seen politicians also throwing that the conversation of sex work needs to happen now. Mm. And lots, of, lots of political parties, they even said it's one of their declarations from way back in the years that decriminalization of sex work is, is the way to go. Because decriminalization of sex work, it will give especially a black female that have her voice back. Because you would never, ever see in the media when they do find about sex workers, they would put Indians, white or other. But our, our media in South Africa, they are feeding us that a black female is always a sex worker. That's why the police, they would rather at, uh, arrest a black female and leave a white one because of that's what the media is teaching people every day that a Mahosha is a black female. I suppose and it's also are, because they're, 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 they're perhaps more accessible as well because they're on the street. Black, black female, when we're not given opportunities mm. like other men in South Africa, mm. they were not given opportunities to them. That's why you find a lot of black females in South Africa are engaged in the section that's called it's their last hope. These are mm. mothers, these are aunties, over, the dead has run away. 350, that government grant, it's not even enough for, for the child for a month or to pay their rental. So most of you find lots of black men that are entering the industry because of it's their last call to life. Yeah. Well, that's true. We live in a country which is very different from what it was 30 years ago, at the dawn of democracy, 50 years ago, or even, you know, 80 years ago when apartheid was in full swing. And it's true that perhaps there are some things that we should begin to look at a little bit more closely. We aren't what we were 30 years ago. So today what we are discussing, if you've just joined us, is sex work and it's decriminalization. It's still a crime in South Africa to buy and sell sex, both for the buyer and for the seller. Now, we're talking uh, to Katleho, and he's from Sosonke, and they assist um, with advocating for sex work and sex workers and their rights. Uh, it's now just gone 25 past uh, 7. Katleho, how is the industry presently regulated if it's are there any regulations let's put it like that actually firstly um currently there's not any regulation around the industry because of um criminalization of cheap sex work underground that's the fact and as it's so game we have also looked into ways that if decriminalization to take place how are we going to regulate i remember when we did i i i learned an exchange in amsterdam we were not quite happy with the model to legalize sex work in South Africa. We were like, you have your, your red light district. Because of, we felt like we cannot, um, uh, you know, um, group people into one city and say, only in this city that's when you can do sex work. Hmm. Which is it, it, quite happening well for them in, in overseas. But we felt like by totally decriminalizing sex work, it will give the owner of the brothel the right they will stop being police cash cows because we know a lot of owners of the brothels. They are cash cows to the police. And it will give her, herself her voice back. Because of, like for example, we know that because of the demand of um, uh, uh, sex in the country, that's mm. why we have lots of men. Because sex work, they do not only give penetration services. Sometimes some of these clients, they just want to speak. Some of them, they just want to, you know, do other sexual activities that they cannot even find in the house because of, of morality aspect of certain disease that, you know, you can't do this, you can't do this as a married couple. So some of these men, they go out there to explore other sexual activities. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you can't find it at home, I suppose sometimes you would have to go out and find it somewhere else. That's in the mind of perhaps the, 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 the buyer. Now... I would imagine that uh, 
sex work can be dangerous because you often have a single uh, woman who is making a transaction with, a, you know, a, a potential buyer. It's done at night in a private area. Nobody can see anything. Now, that could be dangerous work, particularly for the sex worker herself. Do you think oh, vulnerable to all sorts of things at the hands of someone perhaps who's a, who is uh, not quite right in the head? Do you think that once sex work is decriminalized, um, that it will assist in reducing uh, the danger for sex workers? It will. It will, it will definitely. Do. And it, what I like about decriminalization, um, decriminalization will come with a package to say 18 and above. Meaning, like, even us as the movement that is advocating for sexual rights, we're going to have uh, to inter- intervene if there's a child that is being exploited. Remember, an underage cannot in, in engage in sex working, but it's been an exploitation. Regardless of how people see as it, but we feel like if an adult wants to paying sex to a child, it's an exploitation on its own. These are some of the, 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 the plans that we already have in place to say, once the conversation takes place, we are going to have interventions. People will be arrested for such uh, behavior. And then also we will make sure that you know, sex workers are well protected because of we are going to have ambassadors all over. And those ambassadors will come from sex workers themselves to say, if somebody stops, take the number plate of your friend, you know. But sex workers will be done in a more professional way, whether like sex workers are now, they wouldn't even want to hide. Because, at the, believe me, whether you want it or not, for a sex worker even to hire a hotel, they must hide that I'm doing sex work. Hotel, they will open because they know now. No legal activities now. Everything, everything is being criminalized. They will just walk in into a hotel to say, "Hi, I'm just here to book my client. I'm in sex work." No mm. worry. Mm. But mm. now, sex workers they have to go to places under the trees, all over, all over the show because of even the, the safest place. They do not even accommodate them. So these are some of the conversations that we need to take further and you know try to stretch. And because of which one, which like for example, let me tell you this. The LGBTI uh, buying power in the country at one billion rand. Mm. So there's not enough research that has been done to say how much buying power that sex is carry in the country because of nobody wants to invest in something that is criminalized. Mm. Mm. That's an interesting take. Sure. Um, yeah, well, sex work and its implications. Should we criminalize? Should we decriminalize it? Should we destigmatize it as well? Because there is perhaps a measure of stigma attached to it. We're going to move on to that a little bit later. If you're from outside the province, you can still listen to us by streaming us live on bowfm.co.za. And now for those of you who've only just joined us today, uh, we're talking with Kathleen Ho. And we're discussing the decriminalization of sex work. It's 29 minutes past seven, and we're bringing this interview a little bit to a close, but it's been a very, very fascinating one. Now, what is your message to lawmakers regarding the decriminalization of sex work? Um, my message, um, Minister John Jeffrey, should stop you know, playing a, a, a gatekeeper. Because I believe he's delaying the process of decriminalization of sex work because of his holding of a more moral aspect and he doesn't believe it. Uh, because I, at some point, you know, he even mentioned that he doesn't appetite the voters of the country. Mm. So, and for the fact that it's, it's, it's a white privileged man who's, who's, who's holding the whole process, he needs to sign the documents. Now, the, the, when I'm saying the documents, I'm talking about the National Strategic Plan, which is 2019 2022. Mm. And he hasn't yet, because even if we're talking, people that are criminalized. And this delaying tactics that the politicians are doing, but they're only going to mention sex work when they want their vote, it's quite embarrassing. It needs to stop. It's just on and on. If you look into the, the SANAC uh, estimation, we are sitting at 158,000. That was three years ago. And now we are sitting at 288,000 thousand sex workers in the country, which is like almost like a seat in parliament. Mm, mm. Well, that is so a huge number. And it's yeah, something, it's one that want, can't be ignored. If you want, want a seat in parliament, we can call all the sex workers, including the client, because there's no research that's been done on the client, to mm. say, can we therefore, let's go into parliament. But we're still lobbying for more uh, ministers, and I know DSD is on board, social development is on board, uh, you know, um, Charles is on board also. But we need justice 
to come on board and be at the party. Well, that's real food for thought tonight. A lot of things that perhaps we need to digest. Perhaps it isn't always easy to listen to, but it's something we still need to discuss. That was Katlejo Rasebete from Sisonke. Thank you for joining us tonight, Katlejo. Thank you very much. We'll be back right after this ad break. Law Focus. Point, point of information. Welcome back to Law Focus. If you've just joined us, it's uh, 32 minutes past 7. And we're talking about the decriminalization of sex work. Remember what Law Focus is about. We talk about legal issues and we bring the law right to your ears and perhaps to your hearts. Every week we go into in-depth topics about the law, its implications for you, and with the help of interesting uh, case studies perhaps, and with insightful guests. Now, according to Human Rights Watch, uh, most sex workers in South Africa are poor, black and female. And they sell sex primarily to support their children as well as other dependents. Now, the report was based on on research which was conducted between May uh, and June 2018. And it was conducted in four provinces of South Africa. Now, the report documents how the, the criminalization of sex work f- seems to fuel certain human rights violations. And it undermines the sex workers' rights to health, which is a human right and a fundamental right for all of us. The report also provided some recommendations to reform the legal system, thereby providing some sort of protection for sex workers. Now, we want to get a legal opinion on this by talking to uh, Mutebang Mukwena from Legal Aid, and he's a regional court legal practitioner at uh, the law firm's Vereniging office. Uh, good evening, Muteb- uh, sorry, Mutebang. Good evening, welcome to Law Focus. Good, good, good evening, Paul, and uh, your listeners. Yeah. I, 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 it's amazing. I, I sometimes fluff the, the easiest of names. I'm sorry if I did, uh, um, uh, but welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Now, according to the South African uh, legal system, sex work is still, strictly speaking, illegal. Its enforcement, perhaps, uh, I don't know, is questionable, but strictly speaking on the books, it's illegal. Why is it still illegal? Well, uh, let me say, let me give you the background. Maybe you can uh, understand clearly at this point in time of our life, it is regarded being illegal. Mm. Well, uh, our South African legal system, we say legally it is a hybrid system. Simply means it is composed of a number of components. Let me say the first component would be the Western component, which is divided into two being the Roman law and the Roman Dutch law. Mm. Those two have filtered through the years and uh, it came through to South Africa via Jan van Riebeck and uh, it uh, mingled with our customary practices and law and uh, finally with the universal law, which is the human rights. Now, the question of of illegality comes from the component of uh, Roman law. Roman law, they practice law to an extent and their practices were frowning against immoral activities there. Mm. And uh, sex workers or prostitution then has been frowned throughout the years. And when it came to South Africa, well, hoping that uh, we are mostly a Christian-based society, we adopted that uh, prostitution an immoral act. Therefore, even the lawmakers of our times have seen that this to be an immoral activity. Therefore, it cannot be legal at any point in time for now. Mm. Mm. Why the law as it stands, particularly, I would refer you to the Reference Act within the Sexual Offence Act 32 of 2007, under Part 3, Section 11 of it. It says that uh, 
engaging in sexual service for reward, it's a crime. Mm. That is why the law at this point in time standing like that. But then nothing is possible, impossible going forward. Right. So, given that we have a long history, it, it seems, in this country of, of criminalizing sex work, the fact that this country is predominantly um, or views itself in, in sort of a Christian light, although maybe hybrid with some African beliefs, and the conservative outlook of our citizenry with regard to morality, which I would say they're quite conservative. Do you think sex work can legitimately be decriminalized in this country without there being issues? Uh, well, let me say, for nothing is impossible in this world. And uh, what I know for sure is that uh, law changes. Every now and then, some other provisions get repealed and the new legislation got enacted very soon or at any time when the time is ready. Now, let me give you an example of one of the things that happened in the past that was illegal or was criminal and activity. Cannabis. Do you still remember cannabis happened to be one of those things that would be regarded as a crime to pervert it, even to use it? Yes. But lately now, it has been decriminalized. Hmm. So it shows that the law changes. It depends at the time when people think positively to a certain concept and they agree as a whole to make it legal. So illegal to being now legal. It is just a matter of time, probably even with sex workers, with time things might 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 work properly. More so if I have to say to you, uh it happened to be illegal because of the conservative mentality of Morality. Mm. Now, you can see, lately, even the church itself, the church is struggling with, with morals itself. Yes. And, uh, and uh, many people throughout the country, throughout the world, happen to lack their morals to, I'm not sure to, to call it what, but with time, I can tell you, I can tell you if, Lawmakers of the time happen to understand the language better, how people react in the recent times, then it is possible that uh, uh, sex workers can be legalized or decriminalized. Mm. That's an interesting uh, take because perhaps, yeah, I mean, 50 years ago it would have been illegal to marry someone of a different race. It would have been unthinkable. No one would have thought inside this country anyway. And now, well, it isn't such a big deal anymore. So perhaps, perhaps, like the song goes, perhaps, 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 but we will see. Uh, and now there's also been a, a, an increased, or the reports of increased violations against uh, sex workers. Now, it is... Does the law come to the aid of a sex worker? Ultimately, the victim of a crime is the victim of a crime, regardless of whether you approve of how they live, how they make a living, and what they do with their own bodies or whatever. A victim of a crime is a victim of a crime. Is there that beginning to be that realization within law enforcement, the courts, etc., that the mere fact that someone is is a sex worker that doesn't mean that they can't be the victim, for instance, of a sexual violation. Uh, so, let me say, yes, the law is there for all of us. We are all equal before the law, and uh, we deserve uh, human dignity and uh, human rights. However, if specifically one will be talking about uh, a sex worker under the law. Mind you, the law for now still maintains sex work being a crime. Yes. If, if, if a victim of sexual offense is going to report the matter, surely 
one has to be taken into consideration, one has to be assisted like everybody else. Yeah. But, uh, specifically, like I say, under sex work, it's a problematic. Even the police, I think, the law enforcement agencies are aware that prostitution it is a crime. Now, if a victim going to attend to a police station and specifically say, say that uh, I was engaging in a in a service for a reward of sexual nature, mm. then the police might not take that particular person seriously because they will be taking notes. Now, that's where the challenge is. Right. That's where the challenge is for now. But then, like anybody else, they're entitled, they're entitled to human rights, to all the rights that are inside in the Constitution that everybody enjoys. But then, mm. under specific sex work, it, it might be a challenge as the law stands. Yeah, sure. Well, you can imagine you are a, a poor single mother who does this for a living. You're violated by somebody. You then go to the police station and it's a difficult choice to even say that you're going to go to the police station because you don't know what the reaction might be when you get there because you yourself are engaging in quote-unquote illegal activities. This is what we're discussing tonight, sex work and its implications. The stories, we're not just talking about theories. It happens every day here on the street corners of, of our city all across the country, all across the world. And behind those stories are people, real men and real women who are making a living. Um, if you've just joined us, we're talking about sex work and its implications. And we are now engaged with uh, an attorney from Legal Aid in Vereniging who's unpacking some of the implications for us. Now, what are the, some of the processes needed to legalize um, or at the very least, decriminalize sex work? Yeah, well, let me say, in matters like this one, uh, communities of interest to the very same topic, they have to be vocal as much as possible. They've got to lobby around the topic. Most so the sex workers mainly are women and uh, I'm sorry, subject to, call, 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 to be corrected on this one. And women are in numbers more than men. I, I think if they keep on lobbying, keep on promoting their rights mm. and also convincing the lawmakers to that extent to say maybe part of it of gender-based violence indeed promoted by the very same uh, sex work being not being legalized mm. or not decriminalized because the victims at the end of the day they are afraid even to go to the police station to, to open up the case. But then mm. the voices of women meeting head and I think if the very same woman can engage the services of maybe health specialists to promote and advance their case in terms of health, in terms of uh, uh, yes, let me say in terms of health mm. because most members of the community access the very same kind of a work along the lines of health and uh, yes, I think so. They, mm. they forget about whether money is there, but then they think about health and also the moral, the moral part of it. Do you think it would be as simple as as simply repealing those parts of our laws which make it illegal to engage in sex work or as i view it that perhaps there needs to be a shift in the psyche of the south african public to not stigmatize it um the way that they do now uh, <clears throat> 
Sepul, let me say, look, the people who do or make the laws, hmm. they are just like you and me at the end of the day. Hmm. Yeah. And if me and you are to sit down and create such a piece of law, maybe we would need so much input from different people. Hmm. And show us sense and reason. And surely at the end of the day, if you are convinced with that, we, we can enact, we can enact a better law that will serve many a people. Mm. Now, it is not difficult now, please believe, but uh, let's say uh, a body of lawmakers for now, they have not yet reached a group of people who would make sense. Let us go back to that, that case of cannabis. Yes. Cannabis, cannabis, it was only maybe in the early days supported by the Rastafarians. But once the medical fraternity jumped into the ship about the benefits of marijuana, then it made sense to the lawmakers, and finally it was decriminalized. Mm -hmm. Maybe also in this case, I think the input of, of, of health fraternity in terms of you know, mm. of health, let, let alone the stigma. But then once it it, it been, it been uh, decriminalized, stigma will, will fall in time. Mm. Will fall in time. Mm. Yes. I, I mean, uh, I, 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 the, the, the other element to it, you, I think you've mentioned it, and it's a very important element to it, is access to health. Uh, that if somebody doesn't feel that they've done anything wrong because all they're doing is making a living, it's much easier for them to go and seek assistance health-wise, should they need to do so, rather than, you know, if they have to go to the doctor and explain that actually uh, I'm a sex worker and um, I, I picked up something during during my work, if that's an illegal activity, it might come with some sense of shame. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. Mm. Yes. And uh, you see the most challenging part of of, of the whole concept. It is that um, it is sex. It is just simple sex. Let me put it that way. Because I'm saying simple sex because people do sex naturally. So it's a God-given desire at one point in time or often. But uh, for the mere concept, it is done for a reward. A reward is a problem. If it's being done for no reward, it is not a problem. Mm. So for now, the question is the money. That and is a transaction. Uh, That's the problem. That, it is, a, that is a financial okay. transaction. Exactly. Now, <clears throat> if we think deeper, it would mean that uh, the question of, of, of poverty may be promoted some other people to be engaged in such activity. Mm. But, uh, like I say, it is just a question of people who make the laws. At the right time, at the right time, to be given that, okay, you can just do it, but then we regulate, probably so. But then for now, majority of people are still embedded in the Christianity morality. Therefore, it, it sounds much challenging mm. for them to concede to that. And just like an abortion. So, uh, going forward, anything is possible. Mm. Anything is Yeah, we do, especially in this country. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Anything is possible in this country. Well, finally, one of, and, and perhaps it is one of the more sincere arguments and not moralizing ones against the legalization of sex work would be that it isn't work which anybody chooses to do. They find themselves in that situation because of circumstances and very few sex workers are in sex work simply voluntarily their circumstances and sometimes even they are forced through to human trafficking etc one of the concerns would be that should uh, 
sex work be decriminalized, it may encourage others to join it as well. What do you say to that? Well, uh, I, I don't want to give my my opinion. Mind mm. you, mind you, uh, I, I'm a lawyer. Yes, uh, I, I'm just practicing the law. I, I'm waiting for those who draft the law to draft it. My duty is to 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 implement it. Mm. Oh, well, and, okay. Uh, well, put differently, yeah. then. Well, what would your ideal if you could sit across the street from the minister of justice uh, 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 etc and tell them on this topic this is my advice to you what would you say to them <laughs> they're putting me on a bus yeah well let me let, let, you see uh, uh uh, I'm representing uh, a legal aid here, yes. and uh, uh, I would not give my view when I say directly to say this is my view okay. under the space that I'm talking under no, now. I can perfectly respect that. Generally, I could say let the voice of those who support this keep on. Finally, someone would hear it. Mm. Someone who would uh, have a change of mind, mm. and uh, surely it could be. It is possible. It is not something that uh, we can go in up to the third generation going forward. Mm. That uh, it is not sorted out. It's just a question of time. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I know I put you a bit on the spot there, but I appreciate that, that you, you, your answer there. That's an honest answer that you uh, that you've thank given. You so much. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mukwena, for joining us. Your views have been very insightful, and I and I appreciate the uh, the discussion that we've had. You're welcome. Now we've come to the end of yet another interesting hour, one hour journey of law focus, and we were focusing on sex work and the decriminalization of sex work. As a country, we need to ask ourselves perhaps some of the more difficult questions. And that's why we have these topics on this particular show. It's always topics that require introspection. We're dealing with human beings who are there to make a living. The way in which they make the living has been in existence for millennia. After my bones and yours have turned to dust, it will still be there. So it's clear that decriminalization, whether you like it or not, is not going to stop sex work. So what do we do? I'm not here to tell you whether you should or shouldn't decriminalize sex work. I'm asking you what benefit there is to decriminalization of sex work. Well, it's one of those topics that it's for each of us to decide and to make a decision which we well, to go forward based on those decisions. I hope the decision you make is one of compassion and that you will be able to look at the other person and see them for what they are. It's now five minutes to eight o'clock. Thank you for joining us tonight on Vow FM 88.1. You've been listening to Law Focus. Uh, we'd like to thank our guests. That was uh, Katlejo Rasibete from, uh, from Sisonke and Mutebang Mukwena from Legal Aid. We appreciate their insightful and uh, quite informative input. It isn't always easy to put yourself out there on a topic which can have such high emotions. Now, thank you to our producer, Refile Mekwa, and our technical producer, Kutwane Sarame, and thank you for putting the show together for all of us. From me, thank you and good night. It's a pleasure, as always, being with you on a Tuesday night. I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you for tuning in. We'll meet again same time, same place next week. Good night. Law Focus. Point, point of information. Law Focus Podcast.